chapter 13 is what we'll be looking at today. Starting at verse 13 is where we pick up here. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and motioning with his hands said, all right, I'm not going to read all that he said. You can read that for yourself if you like. He went through a whole message, <clears throat> but let's talk about a few things that happened up until then. At the beginning of the chapter, the Holy Spirit had spoken to individuals who were busy in the ministry, and he separated Paul and Barnabas for the work that he had called them. This work included taking the gospel out in further areas the gospel was going further and further out further out from where where from where it started in Jerusalem that was the nucleus that's where the start of it was that's where Jesus was crucified that's where the disciples were gathered together that was the center of Jewish community and it went out Jesus said and, and in fact Acts follows the outline of Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that they would start in Jerusalem and take the gospel out further and further. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the world. That was God's plan. And we see it happening. And so he used people, he used Paul, he used Barnabas to take the gospel out. <clears throat> Something else happened. While they were going out, notice it just kind of mentions, it doesn't make a big deal of it. It says in the middle of verse 13, And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. All right, so John left Paul and Barnabas, left the mission, missionary team, and he went back to Jerusalem. This um, discouraged Paul in a great sense to where he would not work with John anymore. He said to John, going to be leaving off the ministry and if you you've got other obligations and you got other priorities then I've got no use for you and there was a huge uh, uh, um, rift between Paul and and John um, let, let's say this on the positive side Paul expected those in ministry to be faithful and John for whatever reason left what he had committed to and went back home. And Paul says, that's not the way you serve the Lord. Now he's right in that. He has to deal with his own attitude, but he's right in that. This ministry is dependent on faithful people doing what God had called them to do. So if you're not faithful yet, we're waiting for you waiting for you to be connected, waiting for you to contribute, waiting for you to find where God has called you to work. We saw that early in the chapter. How do you find that? 
we note that these seven men that were together, they were busy ministering when God called them to a new work. In other words, you're not going to find God's will sitting at home by yourself doing nothing. You're going to find God's purpose and God's will as you get busy in the church. Can I say a few practical things? There's a number of things that we need that, that uh, we need help in. And some of them you will say, ah, that's, that's not a big deal. We don't need help in that. We do need help. Some very practical things that don't take a lot of expertise or experience. Right now we've has, asked for helpers in the uh, play that's coming up, some, some people to help set up the, the stage and, and uh, bring the pray, play, some people to work lights and so forth. Those are some of the things we need. We talked about our, in our announcements that we're going to have two events coming up this Saturday. Milwaukee Rescue Mission and our Garden Harvest. So we need people that will commit to one and the other so that we can do them both. We don't want to put one down. And so there's a, a great work that, that, that you can be busy in. We're always in need of, of people to help clean the church. Um, families normally, you know who, who's, who's doing the most in that? It's people with the youngest families. I find sometimes people who, who um, don't have young children, they just, for some reason, they're not on that list. How do you get on that list? Ask. Ask, how can I help? How can I give of myself to, to help in some practical areas? And all kinds of, of new things that are going on right now, um, our leadership team is just is struggling with how do we how do we support the truth seekers and, and the work that needs to be done there with the upcoming, um, the upcoming uh, semester getting started? And how do we keep this going? <laughs> this Wednesday prayer, how do we keep that vital and healthy and, 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 and uh, encouraging people through prayer and that? So there's help for that. Uh, and you know what else is that when God gives you uh, an area of, of concern or area that just tugs at your heart, it's often his way of saying, this is a way that you can be involved, something that you can do. I've had several times when people come to me and say, you know, Pastor, I'm wondering if we can do this. I'll give one example. Heidi came to me and said, you know what? I want to uh, make a list of the prayer requests that we get and put them uh, in a format that other people can, can see it and, and be encouraged and be challenged. And she took that, and how many years ago was that, Heidi? <laughs> it's been a couple of them. So every Wednesday, she listens attentively, she writes down your requests, and if you're on the email list, that's just one idea of how we've done things. I look back and I see Dale, who, who had a heart for men and decided that he was going to try to see how we can be more closely connected with Milwaukee Rescue Mission. At the time, he didn't understand. He didn't know what God's plan was on the future, but in, the, in that very near future, God would actually connect him in employment with the Milwaukee Rescue Mission. But it started with him just saying, we need to be serious about ministering to men. What can we do? And so as a job or career, as we would think, it starts as the Holy Spirit prompting you and prompting your heart and you following up on that and being obedient to the Holy Spirit. And so that does, that's what these individuals are doing. They, they have been committed to, to God's work. They're working together in Antioch. And God said, I want to go further. I want to call a few of you, and I'm going to send you further. So John was part of that group, and yet he 
for whatever reason, it's not listed here in this text, but he dropped out. He dropped out, and uh, Paul could no longer depend on him. You know, when you're serving with others, people need to be able to depend on you. I'm always, I have a thing about us being on time. You know why? Because when you are not on time, you are, are, are not uh, um, encouraging others, and you're not being very mindful of their time and their commitment to serve the Lord. And so um, that's one of the ways we show our commitment and our uh, faithfully. And one of the things about serving faithfully is that being on time and being consistent. John dropped out. Paul was disappointed. And it caused problems later on in the work and in the ministry. Let's go on from there. We also see that um, verse 14 Notice this, that they went on from Perga and came to Antioch and Pisidia, and on the Sabbath day they went into the synagogue and sat down. I notice here that Paul and his team made it a habit. We, we don't think of it much now, but as you look back, they made it a habit of, of preaching on Saturday, on the Sabbath day. Why were they doing it? Because they needed to honor the so-called Sabbath? No, that wasn't it. They were doing that because the people they were ministering to were Jews. And in their culture, they met on the Sabbath, and that's when they worshiped. So they went there at a place where they could find them in the synagogue. The synagogue was a Jewish worship place. It was not a Christian worship place. It was a Jewish worship place. But Paul went there because... One thing they had in common was the Old Testament. And even today, if you want to witness to a Jew, you can go through the Old Testament because they accept that as, as, as we would. They don't accept the New Testament, but they accept the Old Testament. Paul was ministering people who had a history, um, and they collected themselves on the Sabbath day. And so he went to where they were going, and he... He, he honored that service. Now notice what happens at the service. Verse 15, it says, I'm, I'm going to go back to 14, the middle of 14. And on the Sabbath they, day, they went into the synagogue and what? Say it again. Sat down. In other words, they simply observed. They didn't right away speak. They were just a part of what was going on. Notice what happens next. After the reading from the Law and the Prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. That's just what they were waiting to hear, right? They waited for an invitation. Now, let me, let me say this in terms of, uh, you can get some points in here in terms of witnessing the people, even in terms of, of um, uh, apologetics. Um, sometimes we have discussions with people and, and uh, that, that differ on Scripture that, that, as we do one reason or another, maybe somebody on your job, small thing, right, but a big thing. You're not going to win anybody over by talking over them. And you're not going to know how to answer them if you don't hear what they say. Listen to where they're coming from. You're not going to read through Paul's answer, but you will see it connects. We'll do that next week. It connects with those people and their Paul's people and his history but he connected with them, and he brought the logical connection 
of who Christ is. He didn't have to stretch or reach to make that. He took the people in their history and where they were. Do you realize when you talk to people in your family, when you talk to people in your neighborhood, you can talk about them, their history, and you can bring God into that because God belongs. He's all up in that. Okay? So it can be a very natural thing if we listen and think and then respond to what one of the ways to think about it is what is their true need? Can I reconnect them where they dropped off at? Paul was listening to his, his people and their history. So next week we'll take a look a little bit about the message that he spoke and see how he connected uh, with them. And so, um, yeah, he got an invitation from them after he had sat down quietly and he says, the invitation said, hey, you guys, if you got anything to say, um, we'd love to hear it. And he spoke. Now, next week we'll get into this, but I want to just, just kind of give you um, a little, you know, um, give you a little thirst for it. Look at verse 43. After the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts of Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. That was, that was hap that's what happened. But even more than that, next verse, verse 44. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. You see what had happened? They took advantage of the opportunity they had by listening and responding to Sabbath. Again, they were meeting on the Sabbath, not because they chose to worship on the Sabbath, but because the people they were ministering to were doing that. Um, <clears throat> next it says almost the whole city turned out to hear what they had to say we pray that uh, God would give us continuing in our meditation through the book of Ezekiel chapter 37 it says there the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley it was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. And he said to me, Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, that you sh and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there was sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. 
Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. one of the famous prophecies of Ezekiel. This is a prophecy about how they full of bones. Where are the bones from? Yeah, yeah. People, the people of God had lost the battle, right? And they had been dead so long that the valley was full of bones. But he uses dry bones to say that the battle had gone on for a long time, but the bones are still there. And one thing that we can say, no matter how civilized the people are, most people deal with kids. You don't just see dead bodies laying in the street. And they just left there. That's not something that you normally see, no matter what culture you see. So when you see a dead body that's just left there, the bones become dry what does that say so that's what the meditation is for to think make you think about right try it then people will come back and they will say oh man these 53 people died let's bury them even in September 11th we still rose a memorial we couldn't find everybody but at least we rose a memorial even in Japan where they got nuked they still raise up memorials for all those thousands that died. But here, nothing is done. And that's the ultimate picture of sadness. Picture of life without the Lord. Right? Something that was once by, you know, there's no hope. So then God tells Ezekiel to prophesy. Here's the second question I got. Why did he tell Ezekiel to prophesy? he didn't just do it on his own. God like needed Ezekiel. He couldn't do it without him. Why did he choose? Why did he do it that way? Okay. Ezekiel did have to have faith. That is true. What else? Why do you think God told him to do it? Oh, because he had faith and then he was told to do that to increase his faith. Okay. I can agree with that. Anybody else? If he will be obedient. Okay. Anybody, he could have just did it, right? Wouldn't that be kind of funny if you was Ezekiel? You like prophesied to the bones, like. What do you say? Hmm? Okay, you definitely got the answer now. Mom, say that louder. You don't need us to go door to door. You could have angels go door to door. He could speak from heaven. What does God desire to do? He desires to think that God wants all means of salvation to point to Jesus. That's what I think. And because man points to Jesus. Let me point it this way. God chose one man to die for sins. Did he not? And God chooses to use men. 
he does not use salvation just by itself. He don't just go out there and just say, okay, I'm just going to save this person. He says, I'm going to send you. And I think that's where all the answers are starting to go to is this. God has chosen us. When we look out on the city of Milwaukee, I think we see a city of dry bones. And God could just be, but he's not. Because that's not how he operates. He's going to tell us to do things. And he's going to tell us to say things that we don't have the power to do. He's going to tell us to say things that we feel ridiculous saying because we know we don't have the power to do those things. And God is empowering us His will. God wants us to witness. He don't want him to witness. He wants us to witness. Jesus said, in that day the word will be given, but you shall say. God wants men to reach men. God wants men, women, and children to speak his word. And he gets glory from that. He chooses that means. He could choose more glorious means. He could choose dreams. He could choose angels. He could do it himself. But even, I was reading through this just the other day, even when he was speaking to the children of Israel with the Ten Commandments, they was afraid. You know what I thought? We could not face God. That's why we got Jesus. Right? He could face us. He could turn to us with his human face. And he could turn to God with his God face. He could fulfill both roles. We don't have to be afraid of him because he can show us his man, right? But we don't have to be afraid of entrusting him because he can show us that he's God. He fulfills his role perfectly, does he not? That's what I mean by all witness and points to Jesus because it all comes through man. And who is Jesus? He is the man. But who is Jesus? He's also God. So all witness and also pushes to God. Just like we say, all right, dry bones, get up. People going to say, your words ain't doing that. No, it's not. It's God. It's not me. It's God. The question he started with the beginning. He said, you think these dry bones can live? What do you say? Uh, you know. You could tell he shrugged, didn't you? You could read that in there. You know, God. Said, all right, do this. And that's what we got to do with about the Milwaukee Rescue Mission and what we should be doing, which is good. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a positive I want you on Sunday to look back in the sound booth and you'll see a fellow by the name of Jonathan that won't even accept a ride home. He comes on his own. Uh, you'll see a couple of other guys that come. You'll see a heavyset guy named Daniel and you'll see a guy named Dave that sits back there, quiet guy. And I just chose Sweet Communion to come to. And I'm just wondering, I'm, I'm giving you the names now so you can put the names with the faces. And so these men are hurting. The ladies at the Joy House are hurting. Shell works there. Thank God for Dale. He got us all jobs. He didn't even know it. And I was one of them. And I came in the church, looked at Charles saying, amen. Everett, yeah. Ever try to concentrate on the lost guys so much, but you know, Jesus said a parable about the mustard seed. It's the smallest seed that there is, but it blossoms into a tree that everything sits under. And so we got an opportunity here. You got to run and catch them though, because they'll try to get out. 
And so God is sending us people. Scott, oh, I'm glad you mentioned that. You know what Scott told me? Scott said, I pulled up to the church when I was in my mess, and I was praying, Lord, please let somebody be there. Please let somebody be there. Everybody was there. Scott came back. He didn't have to come back. Okay, and he came back here. Why do you think he came back here? Our mission here at the church is to, to create men to be leaders in the church, the community. I'm a perfect example. There's Charles wasn't here. We was all looking around. What, what's going on? Where's, where's Charles? It seemed like service wasn't the same, you know. So God creates. Uh, we're small, you know, so none of us really have any body language and everything. And so let's just pray for the people that God is sending right in our doors. They're walking in voluntarily. And pray for a family or two, for Scott. Scott came here broken. He said, I was in my mess, and I ran to the church. Isn't that something? He didn't run to the Milwaukee Rescue Mission. He ran to the church. So introduce yourself to some of the, the, the people that's here. God has asked us to do. And uh, so that we won't just grab hold of them. Don't let them go. Put them in the headlock. Keep them. Throw them down. When they come back, ask them where they've been. <laughs> so, yeah, so that I got, that's a prayer request. And for the Milwaukee Rescue Mission, uh, our fellowship coming up on sale, but turnout, I know the men will be blessed. And uh, I want to pray for those who aren't feeling well. We still have Bob Kent. Volunteer, and then I'll close it for those three things. Three people your people and uh, you call them the task and they do it and then for the Milwaukee Rescue Mission the inroads there Lord I just thank you for 